0: Hello, this is producer Ryan Kulik. I wanted to kind of give an introduction before we do this new particular podcast with Marianne and her cousin Susie Chapstick Chaffee. Those of you guys who follow the podcast know we've talked to Susie a few times. It is Marianne's cousin, and Susie was a trailblazer on the ski slopes, an Olympian in 1968, an advocate for – women's rights with Title IX, athletes' rights with the Amateur Sports Act, and is still very active today. This particular podcast, Mary Ann actually traveled to her home state of Vermont, where she's from, as Susie was being inducted into the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. And she sat down and talked with a few people who who know Susie the same way that Mary Ann does, has known her a long time, even went to the Olympics to follow. The first person they talk with is actually Susie's brother, Later on, the next podcast where we're going to release is a, is a family friend of theirs that we're going to talk about. I'm going to release the two separately. So this is part one. There's a lot of information that's going to be shared in this, but this is a great uh, a great talk of family. Susie, her brother, Marianne, all discussing the accomplishments and the impact that Susie had on the sports world, the, the world of women's rights, and even the world today and the environment itself. So I hope you enjoy this. Look for next week. We're going to release part two of this conversation, and uh, I'm going to let Marianne take over from here.
1: Welcome to High Heels in Politics, the podcast where we talk with the leaders of Ohio and beyond. And now, your host, Marianne Christie. Welcome to High Heels in Politics. I'm your host, Marianne Christie. This podcast comes to you from the shores of Vermont's beautiful Lake Champlain, surrounded by the Green Mountains of Vermont and New York State's Adirondack Mountains. Susie Chaffee is an international sports star who's being inducted into the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. A trailblazing skier and Olympic athlete, Susie was instrumental in developing and promoting freestyle, and ballet skiing. She was the first woman to serve on the U.S. Olympic Committee. In addition to her fame on the slopes, Susie gained recognition as an international model, lobbying for athletes' rights, supporting Native American culture, and as a passionate environmentalist. She has also worked tirelessly to promote clean energy policies. As your host, I'll be joined by Susie's brother, Kim Chaffee. A member of the well-known Vermont Chaffee Skiing Family, competed in National Ski Racing Championship while both in high school and later as co-captain of the Harvard College Ski Team. He is also passionate about environmental and climate change issues. Kim, you serve on the U.S. Biochar Initiative as a board member, fundraiser, and as a corporate liaison. USBI works to ad- advance the sustainable production and use of biochar in North America.
2: What is biochar? First, Marianne, thanks for inviting me to join you and Susie in this bo- podcast. Biochar is, it's a black porous charcoal that's uh, made by heating organic wastes such as agricultural wastes and forest wastes in the absence of oxygen. So it's been around for millennia and it's been newly discovered, rediscovered. Although it's, it has over 55 identified uses. Its most important feature from today's perspective is working with plant photosynthesis to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. It's already doing this in large quantities, and it will be doing it even more in the future. So the International uh, Panel on Climate Change says that the world needs to greatly reduce the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere if we're to escape the worst consequences of climate change.
1: Kim, you and Susie have taken a vigorous role to raise awareness about the importance of preserving our planet for future generations. How does biochar work
2: with Susie's endeavors? Good question. Susie's been a champion of native peoples for over the last 24 years, 25 years. For the last many millennia, biochar has been used by indigenous peoples in places like the Amazon basin to improve soil quality so that previously infertile land could be made to grow all kinds of vegetables and fruits. Biochar allowed native civilizations in South America to flourish for many, many millennia prior to the arrival of Europeans. The reason that soils in the Midwestern United States are some of the most fertile in the whole world is that prairie fires credited to nat- Native Americans help to fertilize, turn the soil into biochar. So Native peoples from all over the world have been burning forests and grasslands for millennia to prevent wildfires and to enrich the soil with biochar, which is mostly just pure and permanent carbon.
1: Susie? What motivated you to become involved in the issue of climate change? What do you think is the major challenges in tackling climate change, and how do you respond to those denying climate change? Well, first of all, I want to tooth the
3: horns of my brother Kim, because he was on. We he went on to become the captain and the winningest ski team in the history of Harvard, and then helped students get discount skiing and. Then he has been promoting this the biochar that the Native Americans have been doing for 2,000 years, starting in the Northwest. And I'm just so proud of him because he, he is helping what the Forest Service is already endorsing is this Native American wisdom of preventing fires, by, by massive fires, by doing little ones. Whereas the Forest Service had this policy after we removed them from their mountains in the U.S. and around the world, all the brush built up so that the lightning strikes after a hundred years of this buildup just exploded the world into these fires. And now the scientists admit that we made a big mistake and we need to do the Native American practices, and that's what's helped fund Biochar US and other places are starting to around the world. So I'm so proud of him, his wisdom following in the moccasins of our tribes. And I'm also really interested in a climate because skiing, there's like 500 Olympians that just rose up this year, led by Michaela Schifrin, and they're kicking butt to, we got to do more of the world leaders. They're focused a little bit more on immediate profits instead of long-term climate challenges for their very young children. And this is something that I was inspired to do because my dad used to go love go fishing and hunting with the Indians. And so that when I met a Native American in uh, Telluride in 1995. I shared the joy of skiing with him, and then from him I learned this wisdom of the mountains. And when they had no snow the following Christmas, which is death to a ski area, he did a, I guess I inspired him to do a, a snow dance that saved the town. And then and then we saved the Kansas farmers from the worst droughts since the Dust Bowl. And when I saw this big black cloud coming, I said, oh my God, Mother Earth listens, and found myself
1: starting the Native American Libertine Foundation. And you talk about this Native American Foundation that you founded in 1996 and today serve as Executive Director. Talk about the programs that you incorporated supporting the North American Indians' culture and ceremonies. Well, thanks to my fellow Olympians like Vermont's Billy Kidd, they
3: voted us a grant so that we could spread these native skiing opportunities across the U.S. and Canada, because it turned out that the 1960 Olympics was saved when Walt Disney found out that the tribes had been ending the fires and the droughts for eons. And so they asked the Washard tribe to to leave ceremony that got them 11 feet of snow made the cover of Time and Life and then Vail did it and all these other ski areas followed but because of COVID most of our programs died because without government support which Canada has support for that, because Native American the native peoples who had been sexually abused in the government boarding schools those abuses have generation generationally multiplied so this is the best healing for the suicides and the the drug addictions. And so that's what inspires the elders to lead these snow dances that have been ending droughts for so long. But you were also
1: very instrumental in having the Native Americans perform at the Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. Right. The International
3: Olympic Committee learned about us in Ski Utah, and they asked us to organize the ceremony that saved Event, their games too. But even in v- Vermont, we've saved two Hall of Fame events from mud and rain and fog that, that were when we arrived at these events. And that was the forecast for the week and turned it into powder. It's just amazing how I've seen this for 25 years, just giving some love and appreciation to Mother Earth when it snows
2: and rains. Susie, you were the first woman on the board of the U.S. Olympic Committee that led to the international movement to reform the Olympic rules. your experiences as an Olympic, a U.S. Olympic member compared to the skiers from other countries?
3: When I was on the team, we were so poor that we had to borrow money from the Norwegians to get from Yugoslavia to the Grenoble Olympics. And then we guessed at the wax. And that was because Avery Brundage had sold out America for his power to the government-supported countries. And as a result, we were in, in unleveled playing fields. So When I lost getting, when I was the big hope to win the gold at Grenoble, I missed that. I recycled that anger into uniting the world athletes, but to reform the Olympics. But it was thanks to the uh, silver suit I wore in the Olympics. It kind of fashion saved my butt and I still got world headlines. So I had the power of the press and I'm the only one in the history of the Olympics that Avery Brundage tried to take my trivial pursuit, said I was the only one in history of the Olympics, that Avery Brundage tried to take my medals away that didn't have any. And also my modeling in Europe, I took a vacation in Olympia, Greece, to find out why the ancient Olympics were so successful, because Brundage said that they were amateur. And I found out, in Bill Bradley also found out for his Rhodes Scholarship, that they were open and honest, so that We started, we told the truth about this, and we changed the rules the way the ancients did it, and it was above board. No one had to perjure themselves to compete. And I wrote the rule personally that you can be in commercials and ads individually as long as a portion goes to helping other athletes. So, Madison Avenue was able to help us level the playing fields so that all, that millions and millions of more kids would have opportunities to be in the Olympics and they didn't have to be born to wealthy families.
2: Susie, you served on, uh, on the President's Council on Physical Fitness uh, under four different U.S. presidents. What did you accomplish with this prestigious position? Well, First, I was shown
3: by the International Olympic Committee Vice President in Germany how they incorporated the Scandinavian mascots in their and invited people to do running races and cross-country. And they had 30,000 people show up in America. They had a couple thousand. And this is the early 70s. So I brought that that idea into the President's Council at this press conference. And they, they gave me headlines and the executive director says, oh, those goddamn Nazis. And then they had the big meeting and brought the Germans over and had presented their whole plan. our commercials or PSAs for, for the President's Council went from, if you don't stay fit, you're going to die of a heart attack, to, wow, the fun of fitness, great. <laughs> and then the Chapstick commercials happen.
1: Susie Chapit has changed her name.
3: Call me Susie Chapstick.
0: Hey, Susie Chapstick.
3: This is real chapstick weather. So chapstick is the only name for me.
2: Chapstick lip balm helps keep wind and cold away from your lips. Susie
3: Chapstick.
2: Keeps the natural moisture in. Helps heal chapped lips too.
3: So when it's chapstick weather, just remember me, Susie Chapstick. Skiing with President Ford, I was invited for lunch with his ad man, and he was so impressed with my activism that he offered me any commercial. And it came to him in a dream, Suzy Chapstick. And I said, I need to incorporate the fun fitness that I was telling you about. And so they took some beautiful footage from Willie Bogner's film and a close-up at Central Park. And it was the biggest hit they, they've ever had, or one of the biggest
1: ever. Well, Susie, you talk about that Chapstick commercial, Oh, that started the fitness revolution. Yeah. That's well, what they say. Well, that's what I was going to continue <laughs> saying. Your cover girl glamor, glamorize the image of women athletes. You've used your platform for pay equity, not only for women, but also for those involved in sports. Why? Because athletes, some um, need to.
3: Subsidize themselves for training like they did for a, th- a thousand years in ancient times. They, the training it takes, the you got injuries. You've got so much juggling to be able to afford to do what we love to do, and that's one of the I mean, being good athletes. The more people that do sports, the healthier the people, the healthier the the country, and the economy. And the opportunities to develop your full potential, and that's why I, I really pushed Title IX for those opportunities because um, mainstream didn't understand how important sports were developing the full potential that, like the men and like the Native women have done for eons. But before that. I just wanted to add that I introduced flexibility into the President's Council on Physical Fitness. They didn't want to include it because that was something that girls were good at, better, a little bit better than the men. <laughs> so now Kim's wife, Heidi, is an incredible yoga teacher, and I do Zoom with her. And she is keeping me young, and Kim looking young. And so many people, the more, lot older they get, the more they need it. And when I stopped doing yoga a little less, you know, a few years ago, I really felt the difference. And so she's been saving my life. But I I do a certain amount every day, but she does an incredible class. All
1: right. But do you want to just mention about pay equity, how you met up with a Vermont senator staff member? I was so happy that I was able to meet
3: during this Hall of Fame event with Senator Welch's team. That are very bipartisan and are supporting women's equity. And he had supported that in the house. And now we got to pass it in the Senate as well. And this gives me hope because it will help boost the economy. According to this time magazine cover story, 4.3 trillion. So we can afford a renewable powered America and get our women's rights back and feed 15 million children that are still going hungry in America. And this will help ripple worldwide to $28 So the world, people say, well, we can't afford to be renewable. They can if they just give women equal opportunity,
1: just fair pay. Susie, your work throughout your life has remained committed to your passions, whether it's been the sports field or advocating for our planet. We are here in Burlington, Vermont, at your induction into the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame, and I want to thank you for your unending activism that continues to inspire people around the world to pursue their own passions. Thank you,
3: Marianne, and world athletes thank you, too, because they've risen up, and they're kicking butt. So world leaders will listen and, and take care of Mother Earth and for the future of their children.
2: Susie, do you have anything that you'd like to add to this interview and how people can contact you and contribute to your foundation? Well, just remember
3: every time it snows and rains
2: like our ancient ancestors
3: did when the world was not in extinction, that to give some love and appreciation to Mother Earth for that, for when it snows and rains, or when they want it to rain or snow, do that in advance. And they could give us a hand to do all this wonderful work that we do. That's at the Native American Olympic Team Foundation website, which is naotf.org. We thank you because it takes teamwork and kicking butt to make this all work beautifully and uh, bring in a new dawn. And contact their representatives, their congress people, or their ski areas to all do their part to help restore our snow for future generations. And thank, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Susie and Kim. And thank you, Kim. You're welcome. High Heels in Politics is produced by Marianne Christie and Ryan Kulik. Engineered by Ryan Kulik. Music by Sherrod Sate. Subscribe to High Heels in Politics on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all of your podcast networks.